Just how bad are these Lions edge rushers not named Aiden Hutchinson? We go to the source and Brad Spielberger from PFF. You are Locked On Lions, your daily Detroit Lions podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, here we go, everybody. Matt Derry with you. It is another installment of Locked On Lions right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day on a Tuesday, November 14th, and a Wednesday, November 15th. Bears coming to town Sunday at Ford Field. Lions in good shape at 7-2, and two, fresh off that win over the Chargers the other night. Brad Spielberger is with us today from Pro Football Focus. We love the folks from PFF. We'll get to Brad momentarily. Today's episode, though, of Locked On Lions brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself. When you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, medical.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dairy Speaks at Lockdown Lions, Matt Dairy Facebook fan page. And as always, thanks for watching us and subscribing on our Locked On Lions YouTube channel. We talked a lot about it yesterday. Yes, Lions are in good shape. Yes, offense is cruising. Heck, we're going to talk to Brad about Jared Goff who right now is PFF's number one ranked quarterback. But we got to start, Brad. First of all, good to see you, brother. We got to start with the with the defense. Uh, Sunday must have been fun for you uh, watching that. Just, I mean, it got fun at times for Lions fans. But what would you think of that win over the Chargers? Yeah, I, I had some, uh, some cash on the Lions, uh, minus one and a half. So it was fun, but also <laughs> I'm sitting there like, could you please get a stop at any point throughout this game? Uh, you know, that, that'd be nice if you could. So, no, I mean, it was a great game. We haven't had one of those classic shootouts, I feel like, I don't know, in weeks at this point in the NFL. Um, I mean, running the ball at will, good downfield concepts. The Chargers coming into this game were allowing the most yards to slot receivers on a per per snap basis, per game basis, per everything basis. Whatever stat you want to throw out, they cannot cover slot receivers. And shockingly enough that that continued. So it was an awesome game, though. It was a lot of fun. And, and honestly, Dan Campbell's you know willingness to – close out the game once again and just ice it, cement it, and not get cute and kick a field goal knowing that defense wasn't playing particularly well. You know, we hear a lot of times like, oh, well, I trusted because their defense was playing well. That was not the case in this game. And I'm not saying it's why he didn't made the decision, but he just kind of was like, let's just, let's just finish this thing off. You know, we, we talked so much about the offense and I want to get to golf and everything that, that you're seeing right now and, and PFF just uh, right now in love with Jared and what he's doing. But let's start with that defense. You know, you look at the numbers. You guys crunch them at PFF. Um, as far as the pass rush goes, you know, sacks have been down. But but how, how do you see it? How do you view it? Maybe let's start with with everybody, including Aiden Hutchinson right now. Yeah, no, outside of Aiden, it's, it's concerning. So he has 52 pressures on the year, top 10 in the NFL. Uh, his uh, pass rush win rate is 19%, probably top 15 or so in the entire NFL if you want to call John Kaminsky an interior guy, I know he moves around, but let's say he is an interior guy. You do not have another edge rusher with 20 pressures or a pass rush win rate of 10% on the roster. You throw in Kaminsky and actually Aline McNeil, who is awesome. I'm not saying it's not good to see production from him, but like a one technique interior defensive lineman being second on the team and pass rush win rate is probably not a good thing. I guess the Dexter Lawrence of the world exists, but yeah, no, they're, they're not getting enough from the Aquaras from Charles Harris. 
you know, go down the list of other edge rushers they have, the production has not been good enough. And, you know, there were some coverage issues in this Chargers game. But look, when you give Justin Herbert that much time, even without his receivers, because even Keenan Allen left for stretch of this game, like he's going to find somebody to throw the ball to. Uh, and obviously he did for the most part. It's interesting. Uh, Jeremy Reisman from prideofdetroit.com, and we, and we love POD. Uh, I think he tweeted it out today. Uh, Kaminsky, Harris, the two Oquaras, and Pascal have combined for four and a half sacks total. Those are five guys. It's not going to get it done. I know you and I were talking before we hit record. You were a little surprised they didn't go get an edge rusher at the deadline. Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought they would be in that market. And obviously we saw a couple guys move. And I get maybe not going out and getting a Chase Young for – what for them would have been, you know, a true third rounder. They don't. Have, I don't think they have a compensatory third that I can think of, and those have to be for the coach GM hire if you trade them in season. But anyway, so you know, like giving up, like a, I don't know, maybe the 80th, 85th pick. Obviously, hopefully the 96th pick. But um, you know, giving that up for Chase Young, there there carries some risk. His injury, I know, scared a lot of teams off, but. There were other options out there. I think Josh Uchi was probably available for the right price. Um, it sounds like they, the Patriots wanted a third, but I think a fourth and change could have gotten it done. I probably consider that if I'm them. So I know they have James Houston, the ace in the hole, but you mentioned sacks. And obviously, I'm sure we've talked about it. I think everyone at this point knows sacks aren't everything. It's all about you know everything you do to you know create pressure, to move the quarterback off his spot, to wreak havoc. But even Aiden only having four sacks despite all the pressures – that's not really on him as much as it's like he can't really get finish a lot of plays if everyone's chipping him a ton, which happened a lot in this game, or, or doubling him or accounting for him, and no one's chasing quarterbacks into his lap because he's kind of the only threat. Yeah, they're just they're not getting enough, you know, from the defensive line outside of Aiden and Aline. Yeah, and Dan Campbell saying on the radio this morning, probably mid to late December for James Houston. So waiting for him, it's going to be a, a kind of a long wait and. I thought Hutchinson against Pipkins was going to be advantage Aiden after watching Trey Pipkins play against the Jets two weeks ago. I was like, oh, God, Hutchinson's going to go ballistic in this game. And he, 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 like you said, pressures were there occasionally, a couple, but no sacks on Herbert. That's concerning. It is. And, and Herbert is one of the best in the NFL at not letting pressures turn into sacks. I think he's led us in that category over the last three seasons total um, in his pressure to sack rate. He just gets the ball out super quickly um, or just takes off, you know, when, when he smells pressure. So, you know, that's fair. But yeah, it's interesting. Pipkins is a guy that I think struggles more with speed and bendy guys around the edge as opposed to some of these bigger, more powerful guys like an Aiden. And there were a couple of reps where he did his now infamous, you know, spin move. Um, and did get past Pipkins. But at that point, you know, the ball was already out for Herbert. And that, again, comes back to getting two or three guys to generate pressure on a snap as opposed to one guy here and there. It's just not all pressures are created equal. Not all pressure dropbacks are created equal. And there just wasn't enough havoc in this game, um, especially on the interior as well. Like Rashawn Slater and Pipkins, Slater is very good. Pipkins is solid. Um, without Corey Lindsley uh, at center, you can get after this interior to a degree, and that wasn't really there either. Brad Spielberger with us. We love the folks at PFF. Brad, uh, always on top of the salary cap stuff, one of their top analysts at Pro Football Focus. Check out him uh, on Twitter as well, or X, whatever it's called now, PFF underscore Brad. Rest of the defense. Uh, Joseph made a really big play on that interception. Um, you guys had McNeil highly ranked. We went over those numbers yesterday, but that was off of that Anzalone uh, blitz. What else are you seeing from the defense now? Because it just seems like 
All right, defense plays well against the Raiders, uh, but when they faced Lamar Jackson, Geno Smith, and now Herbert, Aaron Glenn's uh, unit has been shredded. How, how do you kind of view the entire defense uh, nine games in? I do think Glenn's been creative and doing different things. You mentioned bringing Anzalone. I think he's brought Derek Barnes on some pressures as well, and they've both gotten home at, at times. And it's tough. I mean, Cam Sutton it, it did not have his best game, I think, as a Detroit Lion. He's no. been good this year, but I, I think he struggled in this game. Um, when he was asked to match up with Keenan Allen, or at times I think he was get, catching like big tight ends out of the slot. You know, Donald Parham, I think, got him once or twice. Obviously, had the key penalty that I think was kind of a ticky-tack call, but but not his best game. But you know, like the 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 loss of Emmanuel Mosley, I think, is a bit underrated here. And yes, Chauncey Gardner Johnson to a degree as well. But I still am very high on Branch and Walker and, and Kirby Joseph, as you mentioned. But like, I like Jerry Jacobs. I do. I think he's a very fine and capable number two corner. Um, but Emmanuel Mosley went healthy last year, was playing some really, really good football um, before, unfortunately, tearing the ACL, which obviously is why he's still out. So I'm not making excuses for Glenn, but I, I do think this year, more than maybe the years past, he has adapted his scheme to the talent that he has um, and has also been different on a week-to-week basis in what he's deploying, where he's lining guys up, and different looks, different simulated pressure, stuff like that. Um, I think Glenn's done a great job this year. But, yeah, you want to see better results against the Baltimore's and Los Angeles Chargers of the world. You know, I get that. Jared Goff, we mentioned it before, number one from a PFF right now with the way that he is playing. We're going to talk about that with our man, Brad Spielberger, coming up next. But first, we want to tell you about our friends at Jace Medical. We spend a lot of time talking together. You and I, we get fired up together on wins and losses, talking Lions, who starts, who sits. I'm thankful for that connection with the audience that we have. And today, I want to chat. I want the chat to be a little bit more personal. I just learned that you can get a one-year supply on ED medications. You realize what that means, right? Bring on extended travel. Bring on the next natural disaster or supply chain issue. You're covered, my friend. You're covered. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics for Cialis or Viagra or Robatio prescription, whatever it is. This is possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember, use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace, quote, I'm thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half just to have them. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone, end quote. So if you or someone you love would like to get a little peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com, see if it's offered for you. Remember, use promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off your purchase. That's jacemedical, J-A-S-E, medical.com. Back with Brad Spielberger from a Pro Football Focus. Uh, you guys put it out on uh, Twitter today. Jared Goff, an over 90 rating, and right now is the number one quarterback uh, rated from uh, PFF. How, how does that work? And and maybe did, did just the the Charger game elevate him over everybody else? What what took place there? Yeah, he was already in the top five. Um, and I think some of the guys ahead of him, Josh Allen did not play well last night. Lamar Jackson did not have his best outing against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I'm trying to think who who else was probably ahead of him. I think th- those two. I think he may have been third coming into the week. Uh, I think those are the guy he just guys he just surpassed. And then I guess you had bye weeks from Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa and Patrick Mahomes. But ignoring that, I think the cool thing for me with Jared Goff here is look, we know he's an assassin off of play action. 
the the thing that I've seen from him the most growth wise is you look at just the split on only straight dropbacks, no play action, no screen passes, at least four pass rushers. He is the second highest graded quarterback for PFF. So, you know, taking away some of the quote unquote easy buttons and the things that, you know, can elevate some guys like he still is playing very good football. He's been remarkably accurate on throws 10 plus yards downfield. He's been attacking the middle of the field as well as the boundaries. I mean, Ben Johnson obviously is cooking and, and we're very, very high on him. And I think he'll be a head coach here in a couple months. But um, I think you are also seeing individual growth from Jared Goff himself. The last piece for me is, and yes, the Ravens game wasn't great, but but the limiting of the negatives too. Like, like the, this system does, for better or for worse, really does it likes consistency if you can avoid negatives sometimes that's just as good as having a bunch of positives and i think you've seen him shy away from throwing in a double coverage or you know getting risky with trying to navigate a pocket as opposed to just throw it in the dirt and live to see the next play i think you're seeing a lot of that from jared goff this year how much of it is the o-line he was not touched this past weekend and that's khalil mack and joey bosa on the other side uh, that's that, that's pretty big too. I I'm assuming Lions O line top two with up the up there with Philly. I think it's uh, I think it's actually number one now. Uh, wow. So yeah, I mean Philly is always going to be in the conversation. Um, they've had some kind of injuries. I don't I know Detroit hasn't been super healthy as well, but obviously having Graham Glasgow step in uh, for Big H was huge, and and navigating the Jonah Jackson injury, they've had some good good players there. But yeah, it's a top five unit, uh, no question about it. Both as a run blocking unit and now pass blocking. I think everyone got mad at PFF last year. They were great in run blocking, not as great in pass pro. But Sewell's taking that next step. A healthy Taylor Decker's been good. A healthy Frank Ragnow's been, of course, you know, one of the best centers in the NFL. Yeah, it certainly helps. Um, we don't, like, uh, downwardly adjust a quarterback's grade if he has a lot of clean pockets. But Jared Goff certainly has been operating with a lot of clean pockets. <laughs> Is Panay Sewell the best right tackle in the game right now? Certainly in the conversation. Now that Tristan Wirfs is on the left side, I guess that helps. Um, I mean, clear-cut top five. I think there's no argument about it. Ryan Ramchick in New Orleans had kind of held that title for me for a while. Been battling injuries. Has been good since he returned from injury. Not quite the same guy, though. Yeah, let's go with it. Why not? Sure. He's the best <laughs> right tackle in football. <laughs> I, I'm, a Lane, I'm a Lane Johnson fan. I mean, obviously, he's damn good and been doing it for a long time. But, man, Sewell against Bosa this weekend. And I know on that fourth and two play. I'm sure you saw the film, just the way he manhandled them. I mean, biggest play of the game, like you said. Um, Panay's been pretty darn good. Brad, I don't it's hard to say who's better right now. You're right. You're right. Lane Lane always deserves a shout. That probably is. It's, it's Lane Johnson until he retires. But Panay's ability in both facets, not that Lane's not a good run blocker, but he's you know probably the best pass pro right tackle in the NFL for the last decade. Um, but Panay now is getting into that conversation, and we already knew he was a road grader as a run blocker. So, yeah, he's he's been awesome. What do you think about what Jameer Gibbs has done over the last three weeks? And were you surprised at this week with Montgomery coming back that he still was able to do his thing? I love it. And I think you had to have it in there. And I think the funny thing is that we kind of put him in a box and typecast him. And I guess the team sort of did as well, but he's up there top 10 in the NFL in yards after contact per rushing attempts. Like he's doing things again. You don't want him taking shots all game long and he's not going to be your short yardage guy, but he did actually get used uh, in some short yardage scenarios early in this game. Um, he is up there in forced missed tackles per attempt. Like all the things that you look at that isolate running back production, um, you know, kind of from the offensive line, which of course has been exceptional. Forced missed tackles, yards after contact, 
um, explosive rushes, you know, getting to the second level and, and obviously extending uh, those runs for big chunk gains. He's up there across the NFL in all of those categories. Um, we know he's a good pass catcher. We know all those things. But, no, they, they need to keep that one-two punch going. And I think it's funny that Montgomery then breaks off a 75-yarder in the same game yeah. as well. But, yeah, why not have both guys get 15 touches a game if it's working? Let me ask you this. Uh, you mentioned the Montgomery run. Jamison Williams, this has not been what he was supposed to be. But yet, in that game and on that play, and you know where I'm going with this, that block was damn impressive. So how does how do you guys at PFF grade that? I know there's a run-blocking grade for receivers, but a play like that, does that get extra juice? Because he he took two guys out. Absolutely. That's probably got a, you know, we did a minus two to plus two scale by half-point increments. That's probably a plus one and a half or a plus one block. I mean, that was a phenomenal uh, phenomenal block. And it it's huge. I think it really, really is important because he's not really producing right now. He's not getting a full snap low, you know, snap share. And you could see a guy, even though they're winning, you could, you could see, I mean, George Pickens is six and three and he's posting cryptid things on social media, not to like get into a larger conversation, but you could see Williams be frustrated, maybe not buy in. That to me is this locker room has, has, has a standard, there is an expectation and a responsibility from players. And like we talk about the Niners and, some, and, and the Dolphins, some of these teams a lot. The San Francisco 49ers receivers want to block you as much as their offensive linemen do. Like, and it matters. And so I think it says a lot. I think it's a huge deal. And yeah, it's, it's brought that play. Brad Spielberger with us, Pro Football Focus, PFF.com. And of course, uh, on Twitter at uh, PFF underscore Brad. La- last thing on the Charger game, all the Dan Campbell you know, gambling and everything else. Boy, he's got so much confidence in it. What What do you think of it? You know, second quarter up ten to three. Does it goes for? It, doesn't get it. Should he have taken the points there? 13-3. How do you How do you look at that? So it's funny too because like the, the the most infamous one I think of the week was the fourth and five handoff to David Montgomery. Loved it. There probably is not an analytical <laughs> model that exists that would tell you to go to go for in that situation. Um, draw, fourth and five draw play. I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, so. You know, I I, st- I do love it though, I, and I think in this game in particular, like I, with some of the always the the pushbacks on these these models, whatever is like, well, the context of the game, yada yada. This defense was not holding up, and you knew you needed touchdowns, not field goals. And obviously, you know, three points versus zero can add up, but but then at the end of the game, it obviously, you know, there were enough times where there were touchdown drives sustained because of fourth down conversions. But yeah, it just shows a an extremely high level of confidence. Honestly, for me. Yes, and Ben Johnson. Yes, and Jared Goff. But in this game, in the offensive line, like we know we're going to blow you off the ball, and we have confidence that we are going to win up front, and it's going to buy us enough time to either throw a pass or obviously hand the ball off on a five-yard draw play um, and get the first down. So I love it. I mean, it's also he's a clear, like he doesn't waffle on it. He doesn't go back and forth, which his opponent uh, did for a very long time and now is kind of just like a coward and doesn't really do it anymore after being the poster child of the fourth down attempts. Um, I love it. I think Dan Campbell's awesome. I think he right now, from a game management standpoint, is adding the most to his team of any coach in the NFL right now. How about that? Big impressive words from uh, Brad. All right, when we come back, Lions are 10-point favorites against the Bears. Let's talk a little bit of Chicago. Brad sees them as well as everybody else. We'll do that coming up next. First, though, you see it up on the screen. We got to talk FanDuel. NFL season's in high gear. We're almost at the half. We're past the halfway point for the Lions. America's number one sportsbook. You want to put money down on these games? Go to FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. 
That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Been thinking about joining FanDuel? No better time to get in on the action than right now. You could, you could have had money down on Michigan last night, just smoking St. John's. Michigan basketball, they're America's team too. Just ask Dave Sofaro. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and also the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm back with uh, Brad Spielberger from PFF. We can joke about Dave. Oh, my God, Brad. I got into an email exchange with him about Michigan, and uh, I gave up. <laughs> I hear. I Trust me. We've all been there. Hey, go blue. <laughs> he loves his Wolverines. Hey, they're, they're the, I think they're the best team in the country, but America's team, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't do it. Um, <laughs> all right, Lions and Bears. So, you know, first of two now against Chicago. I don't know if it's going to be Bajan or Fields. I don't know if it matters. Lions are a 10-point favorite. You were talking about putting some uh, scratch down on the Lions last week. What do you think of this line, and what, are you leaning? Is this a game you're touching this weekend? Yeah, so I do get the sense, and, and you know, obviously, you know, like I said, I watch the Bears more than anyone. Unfortunately, my team, um, I get the sense it's going to be Justin Fields in this game. It, and, but, but at the same time, a throwing thumb injury, I, I don't know if he's going to be 100% healthy. I think it's more going to be I'm pushing to play. I have, what, six games left maybe for my Chicago Bears career at this point potentially. Can I find a way to keep this job and win over this building, et cetera, et cetera. The interesting thing here, the biggest matchup, we just talked a lot about the offensive line and the run game. The Bears quietly have had a yeah. really good run defense this year. Um, ask you about that. Yeah. 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 Top two. I think they're second in success rate or first in the NFL in success rate allowed and second in EPA per rush allowed. I want to say the numbers are either way. They're top five in both of those categories. Um, a lot of negative plays. They started to blitz like run blitzing TJ Edwards, who's been a really good pickup for them. Andrew Billings, the nose tackle who just got extended a couple weeks ago, has been a revelation, a great free agent find. Um, of course, they're like 30th and, you know, EPA per dropback. So there is ways to attack this defense, but the ground has not been one of them. And obviously Detroit has really, you know, set up all their play action looks. And again, I, you know, you don't have to run well to, to set up play action, but but everything they do has been coming off of their run game recently. And maybe that won't be there. But nevertheless, you know, I'm not betting this one. I think it is a pretty big spread, but Detroit should win this game fairly comfortably. Um, and the talent disparity is pretty large. Um, but, you know, I mean, Chicago should be, should be able to put up some points in this game. Their offensive line is finally healthy now. Um, like you said, kind of doesn't matter if it's Fields or Bajant. But anyway, uh, Detroit wins. And I'll say, like, it looks to me like a like a 34-24 type of game in, in somewhere in there. Yeah, my man Turner Batdorf, uh, who took me to the Monday night game a couple of weeks ago, fourth in rushing yards allowed, first in yards per carry, tied for third in rushing TDs allowed, and third in rush first percentage and second in rush EPA plays allowed for the Bears, which you wouldn't think, like you said. Now, the addition of those linebackers, of course, is going to make the defense better, but I don't know. Have they just been playing bad teams that run, run the ball? And uh, not this is obviously going to be the big test this week. That is the thing. No, for sure. Those numbers are coming from, you know, the Raiders can't really run the ball. The uh, the Chargers don't really run the ball that well. And they kind of did in that Bears game. So, you yeah, know, that, that is part of it. But um, but also they made it a clear focal point. And, was, you know, adding Montez Sweat at the deadline, obviously you, you try to trade second round picks and give out $100 million contracts for guys that can sack the quarterback. But he is he's the highest graded run defending edge in the NFL for us the past four years. So 
it, it's been a clear focal point of theirs. It does put opponents in some second and long, third and long situations and has helped them. They were the worst team in the league the first month of the year and third down conversion rate allowed. They've gotten steadily better in that category as well. Now that they've shown signs of legit improvement on defense, they deserve some credit there for sure. But but yes, this is a step up in class, and I wouldn't be so I wouldn't be surprised by a Lions blowout. But but I also could see a scenario where it's it's frisky, it's close, and then Detroit kind of pulls away late. David Montgomery against his former team too. That should be uh, should be interesting. Nice quiet guy, but I think he's going to want to show out this week. That that'll be a fun matchup. I can promise you he is looking forward to this one. I think it's been circled on his calendar for a while. I don't think he loved how negotiations went in Chicago last season. <laughs> no, no question about it. And real fast, because I know you keep an eye on the Vikings as well. Um, are you stunned here? Should Lion fans go, uh-oh, or, or is the Dobbs fall going to eventually happen here? Probably to a degree, but I mean, yeah, stunned up for sure. I, the, the video of him like learning the cadences on the sideline in the first game uh, was truly remarkable. And then apparently he's asking, you know, the wide receivers, hey, what, what routes are you running? Because I don't know what this play call means. It's, it's you know, Swahili to me. Like, I have no idea what this means. So, um, you know, it's been awesome to see for sure. One of the coolest stories in the entire NFL. Um, you'd think there will be some you know, drop back, but also you add Justin Jefferson, you add KJ Osborne, like, this is going to be, you could argue in some ways they could improve. Christian Darisaw missed a game recently. Um, the big thing for me, though, is this Lions O-line, the Vikings defense, they're blitzing like 70% of the time. Like it's the highest rate in the NFL by a country mile. If they face an offensive line that can deal with that, which Detroit's can, the, the, Jared Goff could go absolutely nuclear on this, this Viking secondary. Brad, great to uh, see you as always. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Brad Spielberg with us from Pro Football Focus on a Tuesday edition of Locked Online.